In this presentation, we will take a look at the earned income limit related to the child and dependent care expenses credit. This information can be found in publication 503. Earned income limit. The amount of work-related expenses you used to finger your credit can't be more than 1. Your earned income for the year if you are single at the end of the year or 2. The smaller of your or your spouse's earned income for the year if you are married at the end of the year. So note that we have to separate the income between the two in this case to be able to test if married uh, who had the income. And that's a little bit unusual for a married filing joint return where we basically think of all income as basically from one individual but for this particular credit because we're trying to break out and see uh the credit for people that are having the care in order to work they need to know who earned the earned the income even though it's not really broken out on line one or the first page of the 1040 for example here is our example test 1040 we have a married filing joint return we have the one dependent Scrolling down, we have 40,000 represented in wages. Now, of course, on page one of the 1040, we can't break out. We don't see here who earned it. Did the husband or wife earn it? Did which spouse earned this? Normally, it wouldn't really matter for most cases. But of course, for this particular credit, it does. So if we scroll down, then uh, we could see in this case, we have the 24,000 standard deduction. That is for married filing joint. We have the 16,000 taxable income then, the 1,006 03 of the tax we're concerned with the credit which is included in this item line 12 it's also on schedule 3 at 330 currently and it's going to be on form 2441 we scroll down to 441 we can see that the qualified expenses are 1500 and it's breaking out between four and five so enter the earned income so see instructions 30,000 and then line 5 says if married filing joint enter your spouse's earned income which is the 10,000 now of these two basically then line 6 is taking the smaller of line 3 4 and 5 which happened to be line 3 but we can imagine a situation where the scenario is different for example if the qualified expenses are the 10,000 then line 3 is limited to 3,000 because we had one dependent and now we're going to say that the earnings for one spouse was 30,000 and the earnings for the second spouse was uh, 2,000 so 3,000 30,000 and 2,000 for a total if we go to the 1040 earnings w2 earnings we're just saying here are 32,000 so it's being broken out that 32 is being broke out on this 2441 as 30,000 from one spouse 2,000 for the other line six then taking the lower of these three numbers the limit of 3,000 which is just a dollar limitation that dollar limitation being higher than the earned income of one of the spouses and therefore being limited to the earned income of one of the spouses back to the text earned income for the purpose of figuring the credit is defined under you must have earned income earlier tip for purposes of item two use your spouse's earned income for the entire year even if you were married for only part of the year so in other words if you got married towards the end of the year then uh that basically usually for most purposes that means you're going to file the return as if married for the entire year typically if you're going to have married filing joint then you're going to file for the entire year even if you got married say in december example 
You remarried on December 1st. Your earned income for the year was $18,000. Your new spouse's earned income for the year was $2,000. You paid work-related expenses of $3,000 for the care for your five-year-old child and qualified to claim the credit. The amount, ex the amount of expenses you used to figure your credit can't be more than $2,000, the smaller of your earned income or that of your spouse. So in this case, of course, again, the 18,000 or the 2,000, we have to break out on the 1040 in this case, if we were to see the 1040, then the sum of those two would be here on the 32,000, would then be the sum of those two, or in this case, 20,000. I believe this is basically the scenario here. I didn't, I didn't say they were married at the end of the year, but we'll say they were married at the end of the year. They're, so we have the wages 20,000, our 2441 then, we have 3000 that we're saying were the total expenses that were paid, the amount paid, the qualifying expenses. Then, of course, we have that 3000 and then the limit being the 3000 for the one child or the smaller of the of the earned income between the two spouse. Uh, the one is 18000 the other is 2000 Therefore, the limit uh, is going to be the 2000 in this case. Back to the text. Separated spouse, if you are legally separated or married and living apart from your spouse as described under what's your filing status earlier, you aren't considered married for purposes of earned income limit. Use only your income in figuring the earned income limit. So if you're separated, then we would obviously not be looking at the spouse's income for the limitations. We would just be using the, our, our income. Surviving spouse. If your spouse died during the year and you file a joint return as a surviving spouse, you may, but aren't required to, take into account the earned income of your spouse who died during the year. So that's kind of an unusual situation because you can imagine a situation where the spouse didn't make money, uh, that much money, be because of death during the year. So then uh, there could be limitations that would not be the case had had that special situation not occurred. So you might have some more optionality for that case then. Community property laws. Disregard community, community laws when you figure the earned income for this credit. So the, the community property laws, they're saying basically aren't going to change the way the calculation will work for the purposes of this credit. Self-employment earnings. If you are self-employed, Include your net earnings in earned income. For purposes of the child and dependent care credit, net earnings from self-employed generally means the amount from Schedule SE, either Schedule A or Schedule B, Line 3, minus any de deductions for self-employment tax on Schedule 1, Form 1040, Line 27, Form 1040NR, uh, Line 27. Include your self-employment earnings in earned income even if they are less than 400 and you didn't file schedule se let's see if we can break that down a bit here's our test 1040 once again we have the married taxpayers in our test 1040 we have the one dependent now we're saying that they have a schedule c now which would be business income so one of our employee one of our spouses now has a schedule c we just have a schedule c ez and let's say that they earned 18,000 on the schedule c you would think that that would just be the amount you take the amount from schedule c and have that as basically one of the earnings of one of the spouses then going to this form 2441 and we had one spouse that had the 2000 and the other you're like wait it's not the 18000 they put this funny 16728 here why is that for some reason they're not taking the net income from the schedule c 
here, or it's also recorded on the schedule 1, 18,000, but taking it from the, the schedule SE, and that's basically self-employment. So anybody that has a schedule C typically has to pay uh, Social Security, Medicare, uh, self-employment tax. And part of the calculation for the self-employment is line 4 here, which is to multiply line 3 by 92.35. That's where that 16, uh, 623 is coming from. So basically, you're taking the, the net income, but then we're not taking the net income directly from the Schedule C, but going over to the, the uh, self-employment tax schedule. And that is the number that's being used, the 16623, uh, to then pull over to the uh, 2441 for purposes of the 2441 for purposes of the child and dependent care expenses. You can also calculate that by taking line three, which is this 18,000, which is the way it's saying in the, in the text here, minus if you go to schedule one, the amount that, of the deductible amount here, which is this one, two. So this is the one, two, seven, two. And that'll give you that 16,728 as well. That is going to be reported on the 2441, the 16,728. Back to the text. Clergy and church employees. If you are a member of the clergy or a church employee, see instructions for form 2441 details. A statutory employee. If you file a Schedule C, Form 1040, or CEZ, Form 1040, to report income as a statutory employee, also include as earned income the amount from line 1 of that Schedule C. So those are pretty special conditions. We won't go into those. Net loss. You must reduce your earned income by any net loss from self-employment. So it is possible to have a, a net loss type situation as well. Uh, optional method if, earning, if earnings are low or a net loss. If your net earnings from self-employment are low or you have a net loss, you may be able to figure your net earnings by using the optional method instead of the regular method. See publication 334 tax guide for small business for details. If you use the optional method to figure your net earnings for self-employment tax purposes, include those net earnings in your earned income for this credit. In this case, subtract any deduction you claimed on Schedule 1, Form 1040, Line 27, or Form 1040-NR, Line 27, from the total of the amounts on Schedule SE, Section B, Line 3, and 4B to figure your net earnings. So this will be the optional method, not typically... Uh, something that would be used but if you're in that particular situation something that you could look into if you have basically the net loss might be something to consider next uh, back to the text you or your spouse is a student or not able to care for yourself your spouse who is either a full-time student or not able to care for himself or herself is treated as having earned income his or her earned income for each month is considered to be at least uh, 250 if there is one qualified person at home or at least 500 if there are two or more. So let's go back to our 1040 and say that we have 30,000 for one spouse but no spouse, no other uh, work for the other spouse. And then if we go to our 2441, we're going to say that we had 10,000 of expenses but we say that uh, one of the spouses was a full-time student. So if we say for 12 months, full-time student for 12 months, and then we go back to our form and say, well, what's that going to do? 
Well, now we see that we have the 3,000 qualified expenses, 3,000 uh, on the cap. Then we have the 30,000 for the one spouse, and the other is at 3,000, right? So if we take that 3,000 and say, all right, where did that come from? It's 3,000 because we had no wages for that employee. We just said that they were a student for 12 months, full-time student for 12 months, and they calculated 3,000 for the earned income. Okay, so that means, well, 3,000 divided by 12 months they basically gave 250 credit for the 12 months of earned income, even though there was no earned income based on being a full-time student or uh, what's it say here, number of months uh, disabled or full-time student. So if we put something else, if we put like uh, seven months, then of course, and if we go back over and say, well, what would that do? We had the 30,000 for the one spouse and the other's at 1,750. What is that 1,750? What does that mean? Well, 1,750 divided by seven months is, of course, that 250. So what they're saying is that um, you're going you're gonna to have the 250 basically per month uh, for, for the purposes that are, are qualified, the number of months that qualified. In this case, we'll say it's a, a full-time student. Back to the text. Spouse works. If your spouse works during that month, use the higher of 250 or 500 or his or her, her actual earned income for that month. So then if we have a situation full-time student and work was happening, then the question is, well, which is higher? The, the amount that you would get as a full-time student, which is the, this 250 or 500, or the uh, um, amount that was received during work, which pick the higher one. Spouse qualifies for part of month. If your spouse is a full-time student or not able to care for himself or herself for only part of the month, the full 250 still applies, or 250 or 500 still applies for that month. So even if it's a partial month, uh, then we'll still apply, they still apply the whole amount there. You are a student or not able to care for yourself. These rules also apply if you are a student or not able to care for yourself and are filing a joint return. For each month of part each month or part of a month you are a student or not able to care for yourself your earned income is considered to be at least 250 or 500 if you also worked during that month use the higher of 250 or 500 or your actual earned income for that month both spouses qualify if in the same month both you and your spouse are either full-time students or not able to care for yourselves. Only one spouse can uh, be considered to have this earned income of the 250 500 for that month. So in other words, if we have two uh, of the spouse, both spouses are full-time students and basically don't have any income, then we are not looking to get the 250 applied to both. They can only apply to basically one or the other for that, for that month. Example. Jim works and keeps up a home for himself and his wife, Sharon. Because of an accident, Sharon isn't able to care for herself for 11 months during the tax year. During the 11 month, Jim pays 3300 of work-related expenses for Sharon's care. These expenses also qualify as medical expenses. Their adjusted gross income, 29000 and the entire amount of Jim's earned income, uh, 29000 and the entire amount of Jim's earned income. Jim and Sharon's earned income limit is the smallest of the following amounts. Jim and Sharon's earned income limit. We have work-related expenses is that $3,300. Jim's earned income, $29,000. And income considered by Sharon, 
which they're saying is going to be the 250 times those 11 months. And Jim and Sharon can use the 2,750 to figure the credit and treat the balance of 550, which is 3,300 minus the 2,750 as medical expenses. So note what they're going to say here. We're, We're using this one and therefore the difference can still be used. You can't use the medical expenses for both areas. But the difference they're saying can still be used of the 550 for medical expenses in some area, possibly like a Schedule A itemized type deduction. However, if they use the 3,300 first as medical expenses, they can't use any part of that amount to figure the credit. In other words, if they use the medical expenses somewhere else, they can't use the medical expenses to then calculate the credit if they took the full deduction somewhere else with medical expenses. That's where they have to use it. They can't then use it for the credit calculation as well.